Welcome to Artworks, the weekly podcast produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. I'm Josephine Reed. This week, we're continuing our celebration of Hispanic Heritage Month and marking the opening of the fall season of American Ballet Theater. It's a conversation with Herman Cornejo, one of the most celebrated dancers of our present age. Born in Argentina, Herman joined ABT almost 20 years ago, rising through the ranks to principal dancer by 2003. During his career, he's danced most of the major roles in classical ballet and shown his wide-ranging talent in contemporary dance, working with an impressive roster of choreographers and artists. Considered a prodigy by teachers and critics alike, he won the gold medal at the International Moscow Competition at the age of 16, the youngest dancer to ever get this award. He was 17 when he was invited to join ABT Studio Company, and the following year, in 1999, he was selected to perform the Bronze Idol in ABT's La Bayadere, becoming a member of the Corps de Ballet and soon to be one of the great stars of the company. In addition to ABT, Herman is also a principal dancer with the Corella Ballet in Spain. His repertoire consists of more than 90 roles of classical, modern, and contemporary ballets. He works regularly with today's greatest choreographers, including Alexei Ratmansky, Twyla Tharp, Martha Clark, Mark Morris, and Justin Peck, who have all created leading roles especially for him. He also has a reputation as one of the great partners. And in fact, in 2012, he began a collaboration with the great Italian ballerina Alessandra Ferri, who had retired five years earlier. They've appeared in multiple works together, beginning with Martha Clark's production of Cherie. Herman Cornejo has multiple prizes, awards, and distinctions, including being named a Peace Messenger by UNESCO, Dancer of the Year by the New York Times, and Latin Idol by Hispanic Magazine. And in late summer, he received the Positano Premier La Danza 2018 Award as Dancer of the Year. And that's where we began our conversation. Well, Herman, I'd, I'd want to begin by congratulating you on this wonderful award you've gotten as Dancer of the Year from Positano. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was, uh, it was very beautiful to receive the news. You went to the Amalfi Coast to receive the award. Did you perform while you were there? Yes a tango that I created for myself. And I thought it would be very nice to, to show um, not only what I can do as a dancer, but also um, my view, not that I want to be a choreographer, but that I have views beyond just dancing. Yeah, that's interesting, and I do want to talk to you about that. I actually have seen you do that tango, and it's wonderful. But you had long said that you really didn't want to choreograph. So tell me what made you decide to to jump in and, and do that? Well, I'm mainly choreographing for myself to experience and to, in a way, show what I can express of myself. I don't see myself as a choreographer. I think I understand my body very well to be able to choreograph. I don't think I will be able to choreograph for, for others so far. So I'm just exper experimenting with, with my body first and, and see where that takes me. It's definitely not my goal to become a choreographer, but a director. A director, I think, it will be something that I will love to do in the future. A director, an artistic director of a company. Artistic director, yes. Ah, interesting. And I think all these facets give you a different knowledge, and I think it's good to go through them 
when it's your time to become a director, you you have a, a wide range of knowledge to um, to bring for the company. Right, a, a sense of where you want a company to go. Exactly. Next year, it will be your 20th at ABT, American Ballet Theater. Yes, yes, that's correct. Every time I hear 20, it's unbelievable because my body feels like it's been just a few years. And I look back and I see how much I've done with the company. It's really a dream. I joined the company very young when I was 17 years old. And to feel now that I'm the oldest in the company, it's in a way shocking when I was the youngest. Not so long it's ago for me. It's shocking for me in the audience. <laughs> You're not the oldest, are you? I no. think right now I'm the oldest, but I feel very young. I feel my body very strong. I'm only 37 years old. I think I have many, many years to go as principal with the company. Your artistry reaches balance with your technique, and it's like the peak for a ballet dancer to be in the mid-30s. You're from Argentina, and you come from an artistic family. Your sister is also a dancer. My sister is also a dancer. We joined together uh, American Ballet Theater. She was promoted to soloist before me, and then she found her way to be principal dancer with Boston Ballet for over 10 years. Tell me, and I should know this, and I, I apologize, is she older? Are you older? She's older, two and a half years older, and she started ballet first, and I think it's because of her that I started ballet. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, if she sort of led the way. When did you begin to dance? Well, my sister started when she was three years old. So, you know, when I was born, she was already taking her, her ballet class. But my parents, when I was six, they took me to a place to choose um, a sport uh, from karate to kung fu and soccer and swimming. And I chose in that moment to do ice skating and roller skating. And it was shocking for them to feel that I wanted to, in a way, dance because I was very shy in school. I never wanted to do any kind of event in school. And it was a feeling in my body that I wanted to do that. And I did it for two years. And one day I was looking at my sister in her ballet class, peeking through a window. And the teacher saw me and he said, why don't you come in next, uh, the next day? Come with tights and, and demi points and you can start ballet. And I just said yes right away. It was a very strong decision, it's like it was meant to be. Is it possible, I know this is a hard question, for you to remember what it was about dance that just so grabbed you? Well, I remember my parents gave me a video of Vladimir Vasiliev doing Spartacus. And not so long after that, Maximiliano Guerra, a very iconic uh, Argentinian dancer, performed the role in Buenos Aires at a stadium. So there were about 20,000 people watching the show. And so they took me to see it and just seeing that role and a dancer so masculine on stage and being a warrior, that's what captured my attention. I said in that moment, this is what I want to do. And maybe that's why today I love doing warrior roles. And maybe that's why La Valla there is one of my favorite roles to do. And in La Valla there, you play the warrior Solar. I was going to ask you about that. You came to New York City to live the first time when you were just 14, right? You got a scholarship to the School of American Ballet. 
And that's correct. I was chosen from many, many participants. And uh, I have to thank my teacher back in Argentina. They were courage enough to send me away to other teachers. And I came to the SAB to do the um, summer program. It was only a, a month and a half, but they wanted me to stay. And for me, that was a highlight in my career in a way because because of my age, I went to one of the lowest uh, level in, in the summer program. And after the first class, they took me to the highest level where in that moment I opened the door and there was Barishnikov taking the class. So at 14, taking class next to Barishnikov, it was really a shock in, in, in the best way. And um, I carry that with me forever now. Let me ask you this. Are dancers trained differently in the United States than in Argentina, than in Russia? Are different things emphasized depending on where you're trained? Yeah, there are different schools, different ways to teach. I guess here in America, the technique is, um, I will say, maybe one of the cleanest because they take the movement and they clean each movement. Maybe it's due to balancing uh, when he started with his way of choreographing and everything is very sharp and very fast. So it was very different for me to come and, and study here and that gave me another a range of movement. Well, you went back to Argentina, but you also became the youngest person to win the international Moscow competition. That's correct. You know, everything is it's, it's a dream. Like I said at the beginning, now I look back and it's just unbelievable, everything that happened to me. I went back to Argentina because uh, Julio Boca asked me to join his uh, Ballet Argentino. Uh, he created a company for young dancers. So I joined that company when I was 14 and I was there for two years. And on my second year, he asked me if I wanted to be part of one of the biggest competitions in the world, which is the Moscow competition. And he asked me this because I was underage for the competition. The competition was from 18 to 24, and I was only 16. And he said, um, I'm asking you this because I have the possibility to ask if they could take you into the competition, even though you'll be underage. And I just said yes right away. I mean, I just wanted to experience what he felt because he also won the gold medal in that competition. And I said yes, and I would never thought of winning the gold medal, especially being underage. It was a total surprise. I mean, it's true that yes, I worked really hard to, to do my best, but I was never thinking in, in, in winning and getting to the finals, but I didn't. And I think that was what opened my doors for coming to ABT. You moved through ABT so quickly. You were an apprentice and you became a member of the Corps in 99, a soloist in 2000, and a principal hmm. in 2003. 2003. Yes. That is very quick. It is very quick. And there's a funny story how I went from apprentice to Corps. When they gave me this apprentice contract, I did a mid-season performing soloist roles. And right after the med season, the company was going to Japan to perform La Valle there. And so they cast me to do the bronze idol. And apparently the bronze idol is categorized as a principal role. So I was there, all painted in gold, before um, <laughs> going on stage. Somebody comes and said, 
oh, you know what, as an apprentice, you're not allowed to do principal role. So could you please sign this core contract? And uh, that's how I <laughs> became <laughs> officially a member of the company. And uh, I signed my contract, all painted in gold. <laughs> so what changed for you when you became a principal? The roles obviously expanded somewhat, correct? Yes, they did. I had struggles anyway, even though it was a fast transition, I had struggles to go from my soloist roles, a secondary role, to do the lead roles, and that was due to my height. Kevin saw my potential and my great dancing. And Kevin is Kevin McKenzie, who's the artistic director of ABT. Yes, and that's how he promoted me to principal, but then he took a little time to give me all these uh, leading roles. And I remember my first uh, Don Quixote, for example, he came due to an injury that a friend had. And he asked me in that moment if I was willing to do it because there were only three days to the show. And I didn't care that it was only three days. I said, yes, I can learn the whole thing. And I can rehearse it with Xiomara. She's tiny. She's very small, so it's going to be fine to partner her. And that was my first leading role in the company, uh, Don Quixote. And that was dancer Xiomara Reyes that you partnered in Don Quixote. Yes. But you're not just a principal dancer at American Ballet Theater. You're also a principal dancer at Corella Ballet in Spain, which was started by former ABT dancer Angel Corella. That's correct. After Angel left ABT, he wanted to create a company in Spain, an elite company. He really went big and created this company of 70 dancers, and he asked me to be part of, of his company, and I said yes. Um, I spoke to Kevin and said, would you be okay if I share my time with American Ballet Theater and this new company in Spain? Of course, he said yes. Kevin is very open uh, especially with me to be doing new things and to expanding my repertoire. So because you were so young, too. Very young, very young. And for a few years, I was doing both companies. And you really stepped into some of those leading roles at Corella Ballet. With Corella, I did uh, Swan Lake and Bayader. Those were my, my premieres with uh, Angel's company and not with ABT. And... Uh, I have to thank Angel as well for giving me that opportunity because then Kevin saw it as well, saw me on stage doing those roles, and he understood what I could do. And um, after that, he offered me to do it uh, with ABT. Now, partnering, what are the considerations that go into finding the right partner? Obviously, every single person at ABT has a lot of talent, so Mm. there's something else. Yeah, I think it's the it's the chemistry that you find uh, when you look at someone in the eye and you don't really have to try and it's just there. That happened to me with Alessandra Ferry, for example, that it was a, a shock for the two of us because we were from very, very different generations. And uh, when we started working together, doing Cherie, that it was uh, more more a play than a ballet. We couldn't believe it how well we connected and how easily it was to work and create together. And that's why we keep creating new things for each other, because we felt that that connection was was unique. 
Yeah, that is interesting because there is such a big age difference. Yes. And it's not just the age difference, but it's also ballet changes over the generations. Mm-hmm. Ballet changes over the generations, but there's something that it doesn't change, and it's the feeling for what you do. I'm pretty sure the audience that came to see uh, Giselle with um, Alicia Alonso, they will see it in a very, very different way today, but they might get the same feeling, the same love, and the same passion for, for it. And Alicia Alonso danced primarily in the 40s and the 50s. You know, the first Giselle I saw was with Barishnikov and Natalia Makarova. Wow. And I was I was young, but I was literally sobbing by the end of that ballet. It was so moving. I've ne- I'd never seen anything like it. It was just extraordinary. Yeah, and it it's not my about life. Yeah, it's not about the technique, it's not about where they train, it's how how well they connect and that's what yeah. the audience see. Yeah, exactly. I felt like my, they're they're possessed. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. How is partnering in classical ballet different than partnering in contemporary work? Well, contemporary works are in a way harder because in these new creations, the ballerina tends to be off balance. Um, So you need to have a bit more strength in your muscles to hold them to be off balance and make it smooth. In classical ballet, it's uh, very, very straight. You have to create beautiful lines, but always on balance. I mean, they both have difficulties because in classical, if the ballerina is not straight, you can really see it. And maybe in in modern pieces, if the ballerina goes a little bit off, um, it's still part of it. So that, that will be fine. But it does require a bit more strength in your muscles. And I know you like classical ballet a great deal. What attracts you to it? The acting. I will say that interpreting a role is uh, it's all for me. I, Of course, I do learn the steps, and I train my steps to be... It's impossible to be perfect, but you always try to reach that excellency in your classical steps, your turns, your periods, your jumps. But what drives me to do it is the the acting. It must be so different because you need not just the strength, but also that kind of focus to have a character like like Albrecht, for example, and Giselle mm-hmm. for an entire evening. Yes, it's um, it's... It drains you so much. For me, one of the hardest to to keep up with the technical staff and the acting is Romeo and Juliet because oh, yeah. it requires a great technique. It requires uh, for you to sword fight and not only have the strength to hold the sword when you're tired, but then you have this amazing part of this that they just need to look beyond smooth and you're acting with your partner. And I think that's when your partner become extremely important to really be connected. So you don't have to fake the acting and really feel it. That makes perfect sense. What about when you revisit roles like Puck in A Midsummer Night's Dream? You first danced that, you know, many years ago. Has it changed? And I don't mean in a big way, but is there are there subtleties and nuances that you bring to it now that you didn't before because you have more experience, not just as a dancer, but mm. as a person being alive. Yeah, uh, that is the best part, actually. I love this question. This, um, 
when you revisit the work is one of the most rewarding moments because you can dig in into the role and make it your own in a, in a very different way. I remember when we did the, the video of American Ballet Theater and that was actually my debut to impact. It's very technical and I did it kind of maybe in, in a happy way. And, and then when it came back 10 years later, I said to Kevin, I don't know if I want to do this again. First of all, because I felt so good doing it the first time and it's in video. It's very hard technically. And he said, why don't you approach it in a different way? And I said, yeah, let me see what I can do. And I approached the role in a kind of evil way and more integrated. The whole mime doesn't change, but the way you approach the, the acting could be different. And I just love that revisiting the the role. Being able to do that, yeah. You don't have to strain to see Puck has more than a touch of cruelty in him. Yeah, I think revisiting pieces, it's when you start adding layers to, to the character. And it's when, when you can find yourself being an artist. I really would love to have you share the experience of having a ballet made on you. And I'm thinking first of Alexei Radmansky because he's the yes. choreographer at ABT. And, you know, he's done a few ballets for you. Yes. How do you work together? How does that come to be? Well, Alexei is very, very specific in what he wants, which is great to go into a room and be with someone that is not mumbling in creating something. He's very specific. You know, what I take from working with him is uh, how far he pushes you and how far you're willing to go with him because he has such a different view and in dancing. And I think that's what makes what he does very different from others. He's been with the company for 10 years and he has choreographed a lot of things for me. And even though he keeps his style, there's a range of roles that I've done with him. They're so, so different. And it's a treat. It's a treat to be able to look back and say, oh, my God, Alexei created this for me. He, he gave me a piece of him. And it's, it's a beautiful gift. Talk about Martha Clark, because didn't she create Sharif for you and Alessandra Ferry? That's correct. How she, did that work differently? Because there were the two of you, and she's working with both of you. Yeah, and that was an interesting work because, first of all, it wasn't dancing. The whole piece was approached through emotions. We will open the book and, for example, find a word in the book and say, okay, let's express this word and see where it takes us. How can we move side to side from the stage without actually thinking in the step, but thinking in the emotion that will take you to the other side? Mm. And that oh, so approach, that's so different from Alexei Redmansky, yeah? Completely, completely. When Alexei will give you a step to move from side to side, Martha will give you a word or um, a feeling. That's why it, they look so different, and I enjoyed both very much. And, and Martha gave me a, such a wider view of interpretation. Can you talk a little bit about the difference as a dancer when you're dancing a piece that actually has a story as opposed to a work where there really isn't? Hmm. 
It's funny because I, if I think in all the pieces that I've done, even though they could be abstract, there's no way I could do something without making a story or creating on my head something. And I think for the audience as well, I don't think they they see an abstract balance. They don't feel anything. I think everybody always tries to make sense of that moment. Funny enough, creating abstract works, it gives you a freedom of creating in your head whatever story you want. And that's something very nice. Now, creating a piece where you're limited to to feel one thing in certain moment. It's also rewarding, in the, but it takes more study in a way. You need to really uh, understand why you want to say that and why in that moment it's important to say that. So you approach it in a very different way. But I love acting, and I think that's why even if I'm doing an abstract work, I'm creating in my head a story. You mentioned the audience. Can you talk about your relationship with the audience? Can you feel the audience while you're up there on the stage dancing? I think uh, the audience is uh, who makes me perform and in a way who makes me perform differently every night. I think that energy that comes from the audience is what makes you and your partner as well, what makes you do things differently. For example, I'm not a dancer that could go into an empty theater and, and perform and be happy. I'll prefer to take a walk if there's no one in the theater. So for me to have the audience is really, really important. It's what makes me dance and be out there. Now, ABT opens its fall season in a couple of weeks. We do the first show in October. Tell me about your day-to-day regime right now. Well, our normal day of work will be to start class at 10.15, and we have an hour and a half class that it's a must. Always have to do the class. It's for you. It's for your muscle. It's, in a way, meditation for your body and mind to connect. And we have a 15-minute break just to change or drink water, and we start rehearsal at 12, and they go from 12 to 7, and... It depends on your repertoire for the season, how many hours you work in that day, but usually you're in every piece, so you work 12 to 7. How many ballets can you keep in your head? Like, how many ballets are you going to be performing in in the fall season? I think in the fall season I'm performing five different pieces. They're all in my head, apart from one that is going to be a new creation. But... For example, the way I learn the steps and they stay with me, it's with music. So, for example, if right now you ask me what comes after the beginning of, I don't know, Fancy Free, I really don't remember the step. But if you put me the music, I can do the whole ballet. And that's how we learn the steps, with the music. And then the music becomes your your steps. I mean, in my head, you put me Romeo and Juliet music, and I can do the whole Romeo or the whole Bayader. So everybody's in my head, but I don't remember the steps. I remember what to do with the music. Are you a quick study? Very quick, yes. Now happening Vail Festival, I had the um, pleasure to work with uh, Justin Peck, and oh. he choreographed a whole piece on me in five days. Wow. And not only choreographing, but rehearsing and making sure I remember everything to perform it well. So that's a very fast timing. 
what's more difficult for you? What do you what do you have to really focus on? I think the difficulty is to understand the choreographer's musicality because ultimately that's what it's going to be different. Sometimes it's not about the steps. You know, choreographers can do the same step, but it's how they put it in the music. It's their time and their musicality that makes everything different. And so I guess that's the difficulty to, for me to understand what, what he's hearing and, and make it happen that way. Okay, here's my question. I think of Jerome Robbins and Fancy Free, for example, that music and those steps, I, it just seems like one to me. Is hmm. that true as a dancer? Completely, and actually Fancy Free is one of my favorite ballets. Uh, mostly all the pieces from Robbins are m- one of my favorites because it's very organic and it feels very good in my body to do them. And Fancy Free is just, you put the music and it's telling you what to do. Yeah, that's good because I feel that way in the audience. I mean, I, I just <laughs> So that's really nice to know. Yeah, they're really choreographers that they feel the music and they understand it so well that they put the step that it should be there. And everybody can see it. It's like, yeah, there's no other way. That step right, has to exactly. be there. You can't imagine any, any other movement but mm-hmm. that one. Um, is there a lot of camaraderie among the dancers, even though you're, in a way, competing for roles? Um, it's funny because it could seem that way because we're the millions of dancers in the world and not many great companies. And, you know, after also all these horror movies about dance, you could feel, oh, dance is a terrible world. But in fact, it's quite the opposite. And I don't know, maybe this happened only in American Ballet Theater, but it's, it's a family. It's really a family. Every dancer that joins the company, we take them as a friend and right away become part of the family. And we don't compete with each other. We just try to do our best. And uh, when it's not your time to do the role, it's just because it's not your time, not because... Uh, the other one can do it better. And I love the feeling in this company. That's why I've been here for 20 years. Yeah, a long time. Herman, thank you. Thank you so much for giving me your time. And congratulations again. And take great pleasure in this well-deserved award. Thank you so much. Um, Really appreciated this, this talk with you. Not at all. I I did as well. Thank you. And really, thank you for so many hours of just wonderful, wonderful dancing. Thank you very much. That's dancer Herman Cornejo. ABT opens its fall season in mid-October, and you can see Herman dancing Fancy Free by Jerome Robbins. Check it out at abt.org. You've been listening to Artworks, produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. Subscribe to Artworks wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating on Apple. It helps people to find us. For the National Endowment for the Arts, I'm Josephine Reed. Thanks for listening. Thank you.